This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 700, sort of, of Games with Bill. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. Uh, let's talk first about that sort of, and then we'll we'll get to a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I recently changed the album art for all of the different podcasts that I do, and I was checking on Apple Podcasts to see if that was updated, and it was. And <laughs> but then what I noticed as I scrolled down because I was like, oh, I wonder if anybody left any reviews, and some people did, and thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Um, it says, uh, according to Apple podcasts that this is actually 735 of, uh, the show. So I don't know how, I mean, I know how it's because I've got a terrible memory. I somehow have lost count of the show 35 times. So it's not really 700, 730 something, but honestly, the number really doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's really about, you know. We've got a whole bunch of episodes behind us and a whole bunch more in front of us. If you didn't know, I record these shows now live on Thursdays at 4.30 U.S. Eastern over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash nerdnest. I hope to see you there. Big thank you to all of the people who are here in chat. You guys are fantastic. I really do appreciate it. Before we get to the beginning of the show, I want to do a quick off-the-top uh, uh, thing that I didn't have in the show notes, but came out earlier today. And I think surprised a lot of people. Um, Sony, Sony is, you know, it's been two years since the PS five came out. And so it's, it's about time for a change in the price of the PS five, uh, but not in the way that you think. And that's that, Sony is actually raising the price of the PS5. This popped up earlier today, completely overshadowing their new fancy controller that they showed off at uh, at opening night live, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, (laughs) Not not the best look right now when, you know, people are feeling the pinch of inflation all over the planet. Uh, This giant company that... You know, they make movies, they make TVs, they make headphones, they make video games, they make video game systems, they make a lot of stuff. Um, And they, I guess they're feeling the pinch a little bit as well. And so here's exactly what they had to say on the official PlayStation blog. A new recommended retail price coming to select markets in the EMEA, APAC, and LAT AM regions plus Canada because, you know, got to add Canada in there. Uh, So basically, here's what they had to say. The global economic um, environment is a challenge that many of you around the world are no doubt experiencing. 
we're seeing high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting customers and creating pressure on many industries. Based on these challenging economic conditions, SIE, that's Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, has made the difficult decision to increase the recommended retail price of the PS5 in select markets across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, Asia Pacific, Latin America, as well as Canada. There will be no price increase in the United States. These new uh, re recommended retail prices are effective immediately unless otherwise stated. So in I, I'm not going to go through the list of all of the different prices, but they're going up uh, not an insubstantial amount. For one example, I'll say um, the UK. The PS5 with the Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive, that's the PS5 disc edition, is now $479.99. Um, so you look at Europe, that's now $549.99. Uh, you can check the link in the show notes. It'll take you to all of the prices so you can see exactly how much they're changing the price. They go on to say, while this price, price increase is a necessity, given the gl current global economic environment and its impact on uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment's business, our top priority continues to be improving the PS5 supply situation so that many players as possible can experience everything that PS5 uh, offers and still what's yet to come. Thank you for the continued support. So, boy, oh boy, that is... Okay, well, first off, here's the, the question that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be saying. So why not in the United States? Well, I think that there's two reasons for that. Um, number one is the dollar is very, very strong right now versus other currencies. Um, so there's that. But the second thing that's really important is the that Microsoft Xbox is doing very well here in the United States. And it's like Europe has always been more PlayStation-centric than Xbox-centric. The United States has always been more Xbox-centric than PlayStation-centric. Now, that wasn't necessarily true during the last gen when the PS5, uh, PS4 sold double the amount of the Xbox One. Um, and if you want to know more about that, make sure you check out a previous episode of Games with Bill, and I talk about it on there. But man, oh man... It is crazy to me that they would increase the price of the PS5 two years after it came out. This is not the first time that we've seen this, though, because we just saw uh, Facebook raise the price of the MetaQuest or Oculus Quest 2 uh, after it's been out for a couple of years. They just raised the price there. If I were in Microsoft shoes and I know I'm not, I, there's probably reasons why I'm not in charge of stuff. If I were in Microsoft shoes, I would have a sale right now. Like right now, I would be like, okay, all Xbox uh, Series uh, uh, S and X are on sale for 10% off for the next X number of days or X number of months or whatever. Uh, because we know that you're you're struggling right now. Or instead of doing that, have it come with a free game or have it come with like two months of free Game Pass, something to give a discount to tempt over all the people who are not happy about what, what Sony is doing. I saw a million people tweet this, uh, on, on Twitter this morning, um, uh, for the payers, because Sony likes to say that they, they make their stuff for the players, but that doesn't really feel 
Uh, 100% true. So for the payers is what everybody seems to be sticking with. Uh, James Yu says PlayStation is only feeling the pinch uh, because they can't meet demand for the PS5. Um, UAV Hero says there's still not enough PlayStation 5 exclusive content for me to pull away from my PS uh, PC and buy a PS5. Uh, and honestly, it's just... I don't know. I think it's a bad move for companies to take tech that's been out for a couple of years, especially big companies that have deep pockets. Take this tech that's been out for a couple of years and raise the price when people have are, are feeling the effects of inflation all over the world. The whole world is experiencing inflation right now. And these big companies like Facebook and Sony, these guys are massive companies. They're not like mom and pop shops that are raising the price or they're going to go out of business. They can afford to take it on the chin here. And I think that they are making a bad move in my opinion. All right. So that's the off the top thing that I wanted to talk about. Let's move on and talk about the main topics that you guys sent in. If you didn't know, that's where the main topics of the show come from. If you go to nerdnest.tv slash submit, there's a form there where you can send in the topics that you want to be talked about on the show. And uh, if I select your topic, then we will talk about it on the show, just like I did for uh, Nemicron. Sorry if I mispronounced that. They said, hello, Bill. Blizzard is my favorite developer of all time. I've been playing WoW since it came out every single day. I've got hundreds of hours in Overwatch and I can't wait for Overwatch 2. And I've played and beat every Diablo game at least five times, not the mobile one. I just saw that Blizzard is working on some kind of survival game, link enclosed. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on this? Also, when do you think we'll get another StarCraft game? All right. Well, thank you very much, Nemicron, for sending that in. I will say this. First, I'm going to answer your question, then we'll talk about the link that you sent. When are we going to get another StarCraft game? I don't know. StarCraft, I remember like when StarCraft came out, a lot of my friends were playing it. It didn't really appeal to me. If if you gave me the choice between StarCraft and Age of Empires, Age of Empires was the game that I was going to play. I liked it more. Uh, that being said, uh, later on, when I started playing Warcraft 3... I started to like the Blizzard-style RTS stuff a little bit more uh, with the hero units and all that stuff. Um, but then StarCraft II came out. I tried it, never really got into it. But I know so many people love that. And it has been quite a long time since we've seen a StarCraft game. I don't know when we're going to get another StarCraft game. But I hope that we do. If for no other reason, then you'll have a, another game to play. Now, let's talk about uh, this uh, supposed survival game that has been rumored uh, to be being worked on by Blizzard. This comes to us from WCCF Tech, which I, I, I surmised is the worst uh, industry, uh, n- the, the worst name of a website ever. <laughs> anyway, here's what they had to say over at WCCF Tech. Aside from the game's developmental, I'm sorry, development name, it is supposed to be a survival game with building mechanics set in a fairy tale-esque world. Internally, players can open shops and sell various potions to other players. Odyssey, which is the uh, name of the game, I guess, will not be a survival MMO. No, it's more similar to Ark Survival Evolved, which is pretty clearly noted. Virtually anything you craft... You can pass off 
and sell to other players within the game world. All right. So when they compare it to a game like Ark, a kind of nope out of there real fast. That being said, the whole idea of crafting and then selling your stuff that you've crafted to other players in the game brings me back to some very early, well, not early, some some nostalgia from playing Ultima Online with my friends. My friends got me into Ultima Online. We were on the Sonoma server. Uh, that's back when I was stationed in Hawaii. And uh, we had a house that we had bought right outside of Trinzic, one of the main cities in the game. And that, that meant that a lot of people walked past that house. And so we got a vendor and we put that vendor outside of our house and we would go into the woods and chop down trees. And then my buddy had a really, really high skill level at boyering. I don't know what the right word is. Uh, somebody in chat might let me know. Uh, but making making bows. And so we would cra- he would craft all these bows and then we would sell them on this vendor. And we took all that money and we ended up buying a castle and tents and then we put the castle down and then surrounded the castle with tents so that people couldn't get to the castle and then we used like little rune stones so that we could teleport into that little ring of land and nobody else could get in there which meant our castle was safe it was i have so many fun memories of playing that game and like crafting stuff and then selling that stuff to other people that sounds cool comparing it to arc really turns me off because as far as as far as I'm uh concerned I feel like Ark is like a a griefing game where it like the multiplayer aspect just turns into players griefing each other and th- there was a there was an amount of that in Ultima Online that I tolerated and maybe that was because I was younger and had more time and you know I was in the army and uh had a lot of extra free time outside of my regular job And so, like, we were playing Ultima Online all the time, and so we were pretty powerful, and people couldn't PK us too too often. You go fast forward to, I'm now in my 40s, and sitting down to to play a game, I I can't compete with the people who play all day long, and they're just going to destroy me in this new MMO, or not not MMO, because that's specifically what they said, um, from Blizzard. It's interesting. I like that Blizzard is uh, exploring new options when it comes to other games. I still haven't played a Blizzard game in a really long time, uh, although I almost signed up to play a little bit more World of Warcraft lately, but then I, I said, not today, Satan, and I, I decided not to. But anyway, thank you very much for sending in that topic. Uh, I'm curious what everybody in chat thinks about that. Uh, Fisto says, hopefully Blizzard pulls a Metroid Dread and releases StarCraft Ghost. For those of you that don't know what that is, StarCraft Ghost was, I think it was a first-person shooter or it was a third-person shooter based on, like, this sniper character from the StarCraft universe. And it was it was going to be like you were in the StarCraft world doing a completely different style of game. And then, I mean, everybody was talking about that game all the time. And then, out of nowhere, it just got canceled because that's one of the things that Blizzard has absolutely zero problems with. No matter how much money they've poured into a game, they have absolutely no problem just saying, you know what, let's throw this in the trash. It's not good enough. Uh, We'll hold on to some ideas and maybe use those in other games. Um, So, yeah, that would be really cool if they did bring back StarCraft Ghost. 
which gives me an idea for a great topic that I won't talk about on today's show. But what are some games that you were really looking forward to that got canceled? Let me know. Send them in nerdnest.tv slash submit. All right. Speaking of nerdnest.tv slash submit, this was sent in by Sean Bustler. They said, what game is most influential in shaping your love of gaming? For me, I'd say it would have to be Shining Force, the first game I played with a deep story. So first off, Sean, thank you for sending that in. Um, Shining Force, sorry, Shining Force is one of my favorite games of all time. I rented that game multiple times. We went down to um, the, the, the local pharmacy was actually where you would rent video games from where I was a kid or when I was a kid. And, uh, we would go down to the local pharmacy. We would look through games and we would rent different games, uh, whenever we had a, a couple extra bucks and shining force was the, one of those games that I always like, I, I, I never had the, um, the willpower to save up enough money to buy shining force. So I would just rent it a bunch of times and hope that nobody had erased my my save, which that did happen, I think, twice. But I, I rented that game a bunch of times and really, really loved it. And I have super fond memories of playing that. It's one of the very first games that I put on my Steam Deck when I uh, got my emulation uh, set up on there. Shining Force is awesome. That's a really good one. For me, one of my, one of my favorite games or most influential games that I have to say is, you know, comes from the arcade. When I was a kid, uh, my grandmother worked at a bar and my mom in the summertime would go and hang out with grandma at the bar, just chatting in the middle of the day. And they, they would bring me along. And like, there was this one section where there was the bar and they had like a rack of chips off to the side, like Dipsy Doodles and Fritos and Cracker Jacks and stuff like that. And they had glass bottle sodas and um, like my mom or my mom and my grandmother would give me the dipsy doodles in the glass bottle soda. And they would say, you can go off into the other room and play pool and shuffleboard and Donkey Kong. And uh, there was a Donkey Kong arcade cabinet in there. And if you've listened to the show, <clears throat> excuse me, for a long time, you've probably heard me tell this before. Uh, but I absolutely adore the Donkey Kong game. It's the game that was my first experience with video games, I think. And while it's not my favorite arcade game, my favorite arcade game is pictured next to it if you're watching the YouTube version, and that's Ms. Pac-Man. I love that game. But Donkey Kong. So I remember pouring lots and lots of quarters into that game, and even though I poured lots of quarters into that game, never did I get good at it. I never got good at Donkey Kong. I love that game. Never got good at it. And when I first set up my, my arcade cabinet, which if you're watching the YouTube version, you can just barely see out the right left side of the screen. That was the first game that I put on there was Donkey Kong. And it's just awesome. It's such a great game. Anyway, um, people are in chat. <laughs> they're saying rip bill because for the audio listeners, I edited it out, but I just choked to death. It felt like, um, UAV Hero is saying uh, Drift King. Uh, I don't know what that game is. And uh, let's see. Heisenthal in chat is saying, My one was Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. It was the first game to introduce me to the RPG genre. That's awesome. Um, there, there's a streamer 
I don't watch much anymore, but I used to watch her a, a, a lot, and that's Aurora Peachy. And she plays that game, I think, once a year to raise money for charity or something. So make sure you check her out if that's one of your favorite games. All right. Sorry for the live show for all of the coughing and stuff. I apologize for that. Let's move on to our third main topic for today. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And our third main topic for today comes into us from Crash32. They said, hey, Bill, I know you said that you don't have a VR headset. But did you see that the PSVR 2 will be released in early 2023? I'm still trying to decide between the PSVR 2 and the Quest 2, which are you most interested in? Thanks, Crash32. All right. So, yeah, um, boy, the answer to that question would have been a lot easier earlier before earlier today. And that's because, first off, we don't know how much the PSVR 2 is going to be. Um and then with Sony suddenly raising the price of the PS5, I imagine that the PSVR 2 is going to be rather expensive. But then on the other hand, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Facebook just raised the price of the Oculus Quest 2 or the Meta Quest 2, whatever it is, the Quest 2, you know, whatever it is that they want to call that. Um, so when I think about the, the Oculus or the Meta Quest, that has one huge, huge advantage, and that's that it doesn't have a wire. You don't have to have a wire. It's completely wire-free, and so you don't have to worry about the wire getting caught on something. Like right now, I'm wearing a pair of headphones, and I got a wire on my headphones, and every once in a while, I will turn my my chair, and my wire will get caught on the arm of the chair, and then I'll have to stop and fix it. And I can imagine that kind of thing happening pretty often with the PSVR 2 because it's not going to have a wireless capability. So for me, that's that's a huge thing. But then on the other side, like the stats for the PSVR 2 are very, very impressive. It's supposed to have like eyeball tracking and some kind of haptic feedback as well, which means that you're going to have a better field of view when you're using the PSVR 2 over the Oculus Quest 2. That and the PS5 is very powerful and can push graphics in games a lot better than my PC can. My PC is pretty good. It's not the best. You know, I don't have a 3080 or anything, but it's pretty good. But when you compare it to the PS5, the PS5 is more powerful for playing games. And because of that, I feel like for me, it's probably better to go with the PS uh, VR two, but I I don't I don't know I don't necessarily have an answer yet, and I think that a lot of it depends on the price. Now here we have a little information here from IGN. Uh, when is the PS VR two actually coming out? The PS VR two PlayStation's next gen VR headset will be coming sometime in early 2023, according to multiple PlayStation social media sites across Twitter and Instagram, the next-gen PlayStation VR headset has locked in 
a release window sometime in the early months of next year. So I think I think that the PSVR 2 is probably the better VR experience, I'm going to guess, having not used it, um, just because it's newer and it's hooked up to a more powerful machine. Um, the, the MetaQuest 2 seems like at this point it's getting older uh, and they just had a price bump instead of a price drop. And I already have a PlayStation 5. So that's not a consideration because I already own one. So I'm curious what you guys all think. Like, which 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 side are you going to land on? PlayStation uh, VR or the MetaQuest VR? Or maybe some other thing that, that you're not interested in. Um, the ROM 3 says, with Quest 2, Mark might send you his Metaverse selfies. Ew, gross. Um, let's see. Uh, nope, nothing. Oh, somebody else was referring to a movie, I guess. All right. Um, in your base says PC VR. I'm in the valve index. See now the valve index is what I would love to have, but that necessitates upgrading my computer, which would be very expensive. And the valve index is very expensive on its own. Like you got to have a good PC and you have to have the money to buy a valve index. I think they're like, if you wanted to have the whole shebang, I think it's like $700 or something like that. I'm not sure how much it is, but it's expensive. Um, Dindon Masker 5 says, I cannot wait for the Valve Deckard. Hopefully, we will have more info on that soon. And, oh, I was wrong about the price. It's 1000 for the full set. Andre Vandal says, I don't have space for VR. But, I mean, you don't have to walk around. You could just sit down and play. Like, my son has a MetaQuest 2, and, like, a lot of times, he'll just sit on the floor and, and play whatever game it is. Uh, and yes, it does require a fairly beefy computer in order to play uh, VR games or Valve Index games. All right. The, uh, one last thing that I want to say before I move on is, oh, my goodness, it would be just like one of the reasons why I want, want uh, Valve Index is for Half-Life Alex. I, I own Half-Life Alex because I got it because I bought a Steam controller and I hooked it up to my Mac. And it didn't work. And so Valve gave out every Valve game and every future Valve game as a sorry, as a mea culpa to the people who ran into that issue. And so I have Half-Life Alex. I don't have a way to play it. Um, Mr. Quicksand 75 in chat says, I use an Oculus 2 and pair it with my PC. That's true. Anyway, I don't know which one I'm going to get. So I'm sorry that I cannot answer your question. Let me know uh, what you guys think. All right. Let's move on to our fourth main topic today. And our fourth main topic today comes into us from Darth Pumpkins. That's a fun name. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time is Knights of the Old Republic. I was really sad to hear about the delay. I heard the directors of the game got fired and are, it's now being taken away from Asper and given to Sa Saber. Have you played the original? When do you think the remake will come out? Keep up the good work, Darth Pumpkins. Thank you very much, uh, Pumpkins. That's a funny name. I I can't get over that name. That makes me laugh. Um, yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, was it E3 last year? Or maybe it was it was near E3 last year. I think it was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive uh, that they were remaking Knights of the Old Republic. Now, all that we saw of that 
was a cutscene. That was it. We saw a cutscene, and it was like a CGI cutscene. Show me gameplay. Uh, don't don't show me that stuff. But we saw a cutscene, and you know the internet lost its mind because that is widely regarded as one of the best games ever. And to answer your question, yes, I absolutely did play it. Then I think it was a month ago or so, we got word that the director of the game and the art director of the game had both been like kicked off the program. They're not working on it anymore. And then fast forward to um, this week, we got this on Twitter. Uh, this was from, oh my gosh, I can't remember who, uh, Jeff Keeley, not Jeff Keeley. That's the game game guy. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember who did this. They, I read his book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. It was a great book. Anyway, uh, here's what they, they said. The highly anticipated Star Wars KOTOR remake has been moved from Texas-based Asper Media to Saber Interactive Studio in Eastern Europe. Parent company Embracer hinted at the transition last week, and Bloomberg News can confirm it today. Yeah, so first off, I didn't realize the Embracer Group, I mean, God, they own everything these days. They are just going around buying up all these companies. It's it's a little unnerving how many how many companies Embracer Group owns at this point. Jason Schreier, thank you very much, the ROM3 in chat for reminding me. The person who tweeted this out was Jason Schreier. And if you haven't read his book about video games, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, you should absolutely read it. All right. So Embracer Group, uh, they switch, they said, all right, well, this company's not making it anymore. We're going to have this company make it. So to answer Darth Pumpkin's question, when is it coming out? If they're moving it to a new development studio, it's going to be a really, really long time before we actually get to see that game. So I just, I would just put it out of your mind, put it out of your mind. Don't even bother thinking about it anymore. If you want, if you want to think about KOTOR, pick it up again, you know, like either on your PC. I think I have it on my tablet uh, for my iPad. Um, it, it, it's everywhere. You can play that game everywhere. And it's still a really, really good game. I love that game. Uh, in your base in chat says, didn't Embracer also pick up the rights uh, to some Lord of the Rings IP? Yes, they did. They keep buying stuff. Embracer Group is going to own everything. I think it's going to be Microsoft, Sony, Embracer Group, um, <clears throat> Tencent. They're going to go. They're going to own everything at some point. All right, let's move on to our fifth and final main topic today. This one comes into us from Dylan. <clears throat> Dylan says, "Hey, Bill, I was watching your live stream of Gamescom, but I had to leave for a meeting." So I was wondering if you could recap the show, perhaps give it a score. What games did you think were the biggest announcements? For me, it has to be Lies of P. I love Souls-like games, and this one has such a unique setting. Uh, anyway, love the show. Stay rad, Dylan. Thank you so much for sending that in, Dylan. Yeah, um, for those of you that missed it, we had Opening Night Live, which Jeff Keeley, uh, the guy who does the Game Awards, uh, he hosts that. That's from uh, Gamescom, which is basically Germany's version of E3. Germany's ver um, Gamescom has happened in person this year. So Jeff Keighley got up on stage. Thousands of people were there. Uh, and then, of course, the many thousands were watching on, on, on online. 
I did a live stream of it where I was watching it and chatting with people. And we had a lot of fun uh, watching that together. Uh, but the, like, first off, I don't want to give it a score because I feel like it's super subjective. And if I give it a score, like, oh, okay, this was like, this was a, 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 a B or this was an A or this was an S rank, whatever. I don't want to give it a score because I feel like that sets up a comparison to some other event. And then somebody asks me, what, would you, what score would you give this other event? And I can't really keep the two separate in my mind. So rather than give it a score, I'll say that I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I did have some criticisms. My criticisms were too many of the things that we saw were just straight up CGI. In fact, I made a shirt about this. The shirt, if you're watching this live, it's pinned in the chat up at the top and it says just show gameplay. Like that I like I th- I made a shirt because I I said that probably 38 times during the show. Just show gameplay. Stop showing this fake stuff that is not telling me what the game plays like. And I believe I said it during the live stream. It's perfectly fine to show CGI stuff if you're showing an established game that's having an expansion or something like that. For example, Destiny 2. We all know what Destiny 2 plays like. So just so a CGI expansion trailer, totally fine. But when you're showing off a brand new IP or a brand new game, and nobody knows how this game actually plays, it's important to show gameplay so that we understand what it is we're looking at instead of just looking at some trailer that doesn't really tell us anything about the game other than the setting. And I have no problem with CGI trailers. I just think that they need to be paired with gameplay. And there were quite a few moments where they said during the stream, here we've got some gameplay for some game, you know, like here's some gameplay. And it wasn't really gameplay. It was a half a second of gameplay and then a different half of a second of gameplay edited to the music or whatever, which I can appreciate good video editing. And it was all very well video edited, but I didn't get, I couldn't get a sense of what gameplay was supposed to be like because it was all chopped up and mashed together. So when you're showing gameplay, or especially if you're going to say, now let me show you gameplay, I want to see like a couple of uninterrupted moments in the game. Like give me, show me like two minutes of uninterrupted gameplay with the UI on the screen so that we can see what is this game like? That's what I really want. And that's what the shirt that I, that I made is talking about. Just, you know, um, just show me the gameplay. Anyway, uh, let's move on and talk about the games in Gamescom that I was excited for. Now, this is obviously not everything. I want to start off, and I made a little list here, the Callisto Protocol. The Callisto Protocol, we already knew about. That was not a new thing, but we got to see some gameplay. And the Callisto Protocol, holy cow, that game looks amazing. I love the ability that the main character has to pull these monsters towards him and throw them around very similar to the gravity gun in half-life two. Uh, it was just so cool. I loved that moment to moment gameplay. I especially liked the gruesome death scene 
at the end. And if you were there for the live show, you saw my reaction. I was like, oh, my God, that's awful. It was really cool. Um, that game, if you ever played Tomb Raider, not the original Tomb Raider, but like the new Tomb Raider remakes, and you've gotten killed in those, and you've seen like how Laura gets killed, it is very similar to that. I was definitely getting some Tomb Raider vibes from the Callisto Protocol. That game is very, very high on my list this year. And chat, please let me know what games you're excited for uh, from Gamescom or from Opening Night Live. I'll get to that in a little bit. All right, next. No, that's the wrong button. Next, Lies of P, which uh, which our listener sent in. Lies of P looked really cool. At first, I was like, okay, show me some gameplay. And then they did show gameplay. Now, I don't really get... I've never read the original Pinocchio, so I don't know anything about it. All I know about Pinocchio is the cartoon, you know, where he turns into a donkey. And spoilers, sorry. And the horrible uh, Drew Carey Geppetto movie. Like, that's it. That's all I know. And the only reason I know about that is because I watch a lot of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And they're always picking on Drew Carey about that. Um, But that's all I know about Pinocchio. So when I see... The Pinocchio stuff, which if you don't know what Lies of P is, it is a it is is supposed to be set in the world of Pinocchio and it's a souls like game and it's dark and gothic and really, really cool looking. The gameplay looks really good. Very interesting setting. I love the setting. I have no idea what it has to do with Pinocchio at all. Zero. No clue. Doesn't make any sense to me. That's okay. Uh, I think the game looks cool, and it's it's different than the same stuff that we've seen over and over and over again. All right, this one surprised I think everybody. There's a new um, asymmetric. Asymmetric is the game that is the the term that I'm thinking of. Asymmetric multiplayer horror game. You know, we've got Dead by Daylight, we've got Friday the Thirteenth, we've got the Evil Dead the game. Uh, I like those ga- these games. They're cool where you've got one side is doing one thing and the other side is doing the other thing. This one is called uh, based on Killer Clowns from Outer Space. If this is just a skin on top of stuff that we already have, that, that doesn't bother me. I remember fondly. You remember at the beginning of the show when I talked about uh, going to the pharmacy and renting the video games? Well, that's also where we rented our movies until we got a blockbuster in town. And I remember very often seeing on the shelf killer clowns from outer space and always looking at that, that movie and thinking, what the hell is this? And then they showed off. I mean, I think this was a CG trailer, but it was killer clowns from outer space, this asymmetrical horror survival game. And I think I could be wrong, but I think that it's going to be three uh, bad guys versus a team of the the survivors or whatever. I think it's very interesting, and I, <laughs> I I'm interested in checking out Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Then they showed off Moonbreaker. Moonbreaker is a very interesting new take on the tabletop battle uh, genre. So they've got this this game where you take your little miniatures, you put them on a table. Each miniature has its own little moves and abilities, and you are fighting with an opponent of some kind. Now, now to me, when I was watching this, it felt very much like this was a multiplayer-focused game, which was odd because they were really 
harping on the fact that Brian Sanderson, Brian Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson was the the mind behind the story of this game. If you don't know who he is, he has written, he's kind of prolific. Uh, he like he wrote, wrote the Mist World series and he finished up the um, oh my God, what's the name of the series? The, there's a new Amazon show that I, I was watching. I can't remember the name of it in the somebody in chat will let me know. He's written a bunch of books anyway. And so they were like, yes, we got Brandon Sanderson to write this game. But then it felt like a tabletop multiplayer game. So it didn't make sense to me why they were talking like it felt there's a weird juxtaposition. But it's not just this tabletop board game. You also can pick up your miniatures and then paint them yourself in the game. So you can pick up your miniatures and just go through like if you were playing Warhammer and painting your Warhammer figures before you went over to your friend's house to play Warhammer. And I thought that that was really cool. And the tool set that they have in the game that allows you to paint your figures, I just thought was rad. And I'm interested in that game. I'm not sure if it's going to be something that I would play long term, but it's definitely something I'll check out, especially if there's a demo. All right. And then the last game that jumped out at me that I wanted to mention was Blacktail. It's this game where you are a witch and you have a bow and it's first person and they showed gameplay. At least I felt like they showed gameplay and it was like. Man, it was beautiful, and I like the idea of, you know, you've got your bow and arrows for some very sneaky stealth stuff, but you also have magic. Takes me back to my time playing Skyrim, you know? I I, I love that that uh, combination of things. So those are the games that I was the most interested in from Gamescom, but there were a lot of other games that I was also interested in. Um, Splat in chat... <laughs> Uh, said, I was really excited for Goat Simulator 3. I love the first one. I'm a bit upset about it being an Epic exclusive on PC, though. Yes, get rid of exclusives. We don't need that stuff. Unless it's a, unless it's a first party, exclusives are bad, in my opinion. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, uh, and now your mama knows, says, I'm really interested in the first Descendant. I liked it when it's called Project Magnum. I don't think I even saw that one. Uh, and then in your base says, if anything, the streaming community will make killer clowns fun to watch at least. And I, I do agree with that. And then the last comment, uh, comes in from, uh, and now your mama knows they said, I was always a big fan of killer clowns from outer space and the same creators of Friday the 13th is making it. So essentially it seems like it's a, a skin on that game. I, I wish it was more of a skin on. Dead by Daylight, I think Dead by Daylight is a better game than Friday the 13th. I played Friday the 13th, felt felt very clunky, didn't really get how that worked. I liked, of the ones that I listed, uh, Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, and Evil Dead the game, the Friday the 13th one is my least favorite out of all of them. Uh, but hey, that that's it for this episode of Games with Bill. Before we wrap up the show, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who showed up during the show and for the people who renewed their memberships over on the YouTube channel, that would be Joe Wiederman and Marcel DeJong, uh, Frankenstein Gaming, Josh uh, Rittner, Seth Dummings, Brett and Doug Jackson. Thank you guys very much for being members. I really do appreciate it. And thank you all for hanging out for the live show. If you didn't know, I also do another show. It's called On Deck, and that is Mondays at 4.30 U.S. Eastern right here on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash nerdnest. Thank you all for hanging out with me, and I will see you all next time.
Stay rad, everybody. Bye-bye.